Hey everybody, first time doing this. This is Jacob Bynum with Rifles Only. This is the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. This is a podcast for all things rimfire and centerfire. Uh, what we want to do is our guiding principle here at Rifles Only has been for over 20 years to make better shooters. We want to make sure that if you have any questions, you can email them to us. We'll get them up on the podcast. But what we want to do is we want to have a forum that we can talk to you guys about building better shooters, whether it's rimfire or centerfire or whatever the case may be. Uh, a little bit about rifles only. Like I said, we've been doing this for over 20 years. And in fact, we're sitting in the rifles only classroom right now. So you might get a little bit of an echo. But uh, at any rate, I'm sitting here with Dave Thomas. Uh, Dave has come on board with us as an adjunct instructor, and he's really going to hit hard on the rimfire courses and stuff that we'll be talking about a little bit later. But say hi, Dave. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, like he just told, said, uh, name's David Thomas. I, I'm a, I shoot for Team Voodoo uh, over there with Voodoo Gunworks and uh, Mike Bush. I appreciate the opportunity. And then I've recently come on board with uh, uh, Jacob and Lisa over here as, uh, I guess, more of an adjunct instructor on the rimfire and centerfire side. And... Uh, you're a pretty accomplished competition shooter as well. I do okay locally. I've been trying to get out and shoot more of the two-day matches, but the uh, we'll get into that more about this rimfire. You know, the cost and, and all that stuff. It just makes it really hard down here and and all the way down here in South Texas getting out and doing stuff. And we're gonna try to change that. And then also my my uh, have a day job. So yeah, your day job <laughs> that keeps you busy. Or I wonder if y'all are gonna be busy in the future. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we might not be the type of busy we want to be. We'll see what happens. To, uh, I think today's January 19th. This podcast probably won't go up for a week or so until we get the uh, the overlords in the tech industry to approve it. So uh, tomorrow's the 20th. So when this goes up, we'll have something different going on. Yeah, I guess something else big is happening tomorrow, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I got some. I, we... Um, here at Rifles Only, the, the, we're very fortunate, uh, very blessed. We, we've been doing this for a long time, and we get to train a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life, everything from electricians to plumbers to pilots to police officers to military guys to competition shooters. Uh, it's just been – it has been a really nice ride here at Rifles Only, and I think that – I think that one of the things that makes our courses really good, uh, part of our you know guiding principle, making better shooters, but we get to look at shooters that do shooting for different reasons. I mean, we do hunter courses out here. Uh, we have hunters that come through in the in our, our flagship course, uh, PR one and two, and so what they're doing is they're just they're. I mean, I had a guy call me the other day. He wants to come in. The sole reason is. Um, he wants to be able to hit deer to 500 yards and, you know, wow. he's just unconfident with it and he wants to come in and learn how to do it. And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. We can do it. I mean, it's all, it's all going to fall down to those basic building blocks, which are the fundamentals of marksmanship. We're known as a fundamental school. Uh, and again, you know, the, it's been said out there, well, the only thing you learn at rifles only is the fundamentals. And then you get somebody pipe up and say, Hey, that's all there is. And so whether you're a competition shooter, uh, hunting, law enforcement, military side of the house, they're all the same, but all a little bit different. And so because we see all of these guys come through here, it gives us the opportunity to learn what the needs and wants and requirements are for each of these and see if they have any bleed over to the other side of the house. You know, is there, is there something that the competition shooter is doing that is beneficial to the hunter or vice versa. And a lot of that comes up to, you know, you get into the competitions with target detection and stuff like that. And you've got a hunter, man, he can, you know, he can't, I saw it on the internet the other day at MEM. I can't find the ketchup in the refrigerator, but I can spot a 10 point buck, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's uh, 400 yards away just by his ear. And so there's, there's tech techniques and methods to doing that. And so you got some crossover there. And so if, you know, you can't ignore that crossover 
And uh, again, the fundamentals are the, the common denominator on all of them. But, you know, there are little tips and tricks and techniques that would cross over from the competitor to the law enforcement shooter to the military shooter to the hunter. And so, you know, it's, it kind of gives us a unique perspective out here, and I'm real proud of that. Uh, yeah, you brought that up. I, I think it was uh, a couple weeks ago that you, you had an ABC agency out here, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it brought me back to a conversation. I don't know if I mentioned earlier, I, um, uh, I, I helped moderate the hide with uh, you know Frank Galley on Sniper's Hide. Yeah. So we get an opportunity for a lot of different discussion there. Yeah. And there's always an ongoing debate on how practical competitions are, how practical they're not. And, you know, that's a different, that's a whole nother conversation, but people keep bringing up, uh, well, uh, you, you don't see anybody out there in the military and law enforcement using a tripod in the rear. And, uh, you know, we're out there with an ABC agency and we're showing them how to use a tripod in the rear. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think I even mentioned it, you know, while you were here at that class, you know, I, I, uh, we do national level competitions here as well as, uh, you know, local club matches and stuff like that. And I don't allow that during those competitions. Oh, I don't blame you. you know, I don't, I, you cannot use a tripod in the rear, uh, for a competition here, but for law enforcement and military, I train it, <laughs> you know, I want those guys to have every advantage because they're doing it for a different reason, you know? And so, uh, it's just like you said, you gotta, you gotta be able to have those tools at your disposal and there's a good crossover. Oh no, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. you know, go to a man, I'm going to use whatever they let me, you know, if I go to a Correct. match and they let me use a, a tripod in the rear, I mean, that, it is what it is, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, you know, with the competition, we're trying to uh, to challenge you in a different way. Right. We're not trying to make every shot the easiest that we you know we possibly can. We're, and it's for points. It, yeah, it's it's for points. It's not for uh, it's not you know it's not for real. You're not. Uh, um, you know, it's it's lives don't depend on it. Yeah, there there you go. I'm trying yeah. to say you know we want to keep this in a family podcast. <laughs> exactly. Talking about you know I was trying to figure out a way to say that, but yeah, lives don't matter. And and when lives are on the, the line, and, and you know I have a day job that's similar, and uh, I'm going to take every advantage you give me. Yeah. And I'm the same way in the competition. I mean, if, if you let me do it, yeah. I'm going to do it. For sure. So For sure. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Frank. Uh, good dude. Uh, congratulations on him. I think recently he just had a million downloads on his podcast, and I'm sure it's well more than that now. But uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out. He's uh, he's done a really good job with Sniper Side. He used to work here, and, and we, we collaborate pretty often. Oh, yeah. I love Frank. He's he's awesome. Um, I believe, uh, what's it? The uh, It's the Everyday Sniper. The Everyday Sniper, so, yeah, yes. If you get a chance, go check him out. Uh, I mean, it's, it's great. Uh, I've listened to him, you know, he's, every time he puts one out, I, I've listened to it on driving up here, right? was only or driving anywhere else. I mean, so like I said, if you get a chance, it's, uh, it, it, the, uh, the everyday sniper with, uh, Frank. And I think Mike from, uh, a mile high is on there and he's got a lot, he, he's always having a, a, a good amount of guests on there. Oh, for sure. For sure. Another up and comer one is, uh, is a uh, modern day sniper too with Kalen and Phil. Oh yeah. Right yeah. I think you just did that one not too long. Yeah. Ago. I did. I did their podcast yesterday, in fact, and we had a good time and we've, I've done, I've been on with them several times and on with Frank several times as well. And, uh, just, just good dudes out there in the community. Uh, I think we, uh, I'm just looking over our notes here. So we're gonna, you know, we're trying to have a little bit of structure to this thing, uh, you know, coming up at least two parts to this thing. And I thought we, we looked at, we're going to have a, what, an accuracy, accuracy section. Yes. Right? We're going to have an accuracy section for everything on accuracy. Um, I was kind of debating, well, there, there's so many things on accuracy that I, that I want to get to, uh, some of the things that are, you know, fall down to our, our fundamentals of marksmanship, but all, there's so many other things that you can do to help support the fundamentals. And, um, I want to, on the accuracy, accuracy section to be able to kind of explain this in ways that people can understand or, you know, generate conversation about it. Um, I decided on the first one here and Dave agreed with me, the first one we're going to do is just going to be on natural point of aim. 
And um, again, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because I want to do on rifle setup. I want to do it on safety. I want to do it on just mindset of of whenever you have a a weapon in your hand, whether it's a, you know, a a bow or a a rifle, a handgun, a carbine, you know, just, you know, what what you're there for and what you're doing. You kind of have a little thing about safety. Uh, Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've kind of got a reputation on that one. And it's good, though. I mean, uh, there has been, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of rounds fired here at Rifles Only. We've never had a firearms accident, and I want to keep it that way. I don't blame you. And, um, you know, there's there's methodologies you can use to make sure that that doesn't happen. There's always that, you know, one in a billion situation that could happen. And I've I've read about them uh, in other other places. And and sometimes it's just bad luck. But. I kind of think that we make our own luck, and so if we uh, if we can follow some basic you know fundamentals of safety, then we are definitely hedging our bets that we're not going to have an uh oh, and uh, we don't want that. But again, that's gonna that'll be uh, I think you know just sitting here talking to you about that. I think on the next one we will just do it on spend a lot of time on the safety aspect. No, I don't blame you. It's it's something uh, actually I've been seeing it getting uh, for a while there. It, it it's taken a little bit of a dive, but actually, since you've been on a lot of podcasts and since you've been part of NRL uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I've been seeing things change and everybody's taking it much more seriously at matches, which is a, it's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't see, very rarely am I seeing uh, any anybody getting flagged or, uh, you know, uh, muzzled or anything like that. And I'm not saying that we should take it easy now. We should keep yeah. going. We should, we should keep that up. Yeah, that's always a journey. It's never a destination on that. Um, and again, it's just, like I said, I think on our, our next one, we'll, we'll definitely dive into the, into the safety aspect of here. You know, I've got a, uh, fortunately, you know, like I say, I get people that who have been here and, and listen to my safety brief. And so they'll, they'll call me up whenever they see something or they'll tell me that this happened. So I've got a lot of little anecdotes out there that it can kind of keep you, keep you on track with safety. But again, not this time. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about natural point of aim. Um, definition of natural point of aim. Uh, I say this in my classes all the time. I ask it, what's the definition of natural point of aim? And I get a lot of different answers. Uh, you know, it's it's where you are, where you feel natural with the rifle, and you know where where whenever you just let go of the rifle, it stays right there. And you know, some of these things are are true. You know, some of these definitions are are spot on, and some of them can be a little bit off. Um, but I am not necessarily the sharpest tool in the shed. So whenever I was thinking about natural point of aim, I had to come up with a definition that would stick in my head and something that you know, I could remember and I could pass on to somebody else and it might stick in their head. But my definition of natural point of aim is weapon pointed to the target, body pointed to the weapon. And I think it's worked out pretty good. I think you're kind of a, a disciple of that one too, aren't you? I, I'm a pretty big on, on all of them. I, I, I was lucky enough. Well, I've been uh, like everybody, I've been shooting since I was, you know, old enough to you know hold a rifle. I think we, we, we had the, you know, the, the old Daisy, uh, uh, BB guns and we, uh, you know, I remember we, we turned bottles on their side and, and the, you know, it was almost like a little competition. You actually had to shoot through the, the opening on the, the bottle top. Like if you didn't get it through there, it didn't count. So, right. uh, I've been shooting for a while, but I, I, I came across, I mean, I've, I've, I've been seeing rifles only and, and, and your stuff for, I guess I'm aging myself, I'm getting a little bit old here, but it's at least since the late nineties and early two thousands mm-hmm. and, and seen that. And then, you know, more recently in the last five years is, uh, I've been able to come down here and, and do several classes, uh, found snipers hide. And, you know, Frank's also, a, you know, he's a, he's a product or a disciple of, of rifles only. So it, it's, uh, it really, uh, imprinted on me, uh, that, ha- and, and before, you know, everybody just goes out and they, like everybody else, I'm a, I'm a man, I know how to shoot. Right. And, and then you find out 
uh, maybe I don't know how to shoot as, <laughs> as well as I thought I knew how to shoot. Yeah. And, and then you and, and you and you go down a path where you really think it's complicated. You're like, yeah. I got to do this and I got to do that, and, and you get wrapped around, and then you find your way to to Jacob Bynum. Uh, Frank Galley or anybody from this kind of fundamental disciple or rifles only disciple, I guess you would call it, and and you find out it's really not. Well, we didn't invent the fundamentals. No, no, you didn't. We just we just hit you with the taser if you don't follow them. No, and, 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 and you know, like I think you've said, uh, you've got a saying about uh, it's been putting a, a lead to meat for yeah how long? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, fundamentals of marksmanship been putting metal to meat for years and years and years, and so that's where it comes from. But yeah, that that one, you know, the definition for you need to define, you know, what is natural point of aim because there's there's a lot of confusion out there. Some people don't know what it is, and I, I just I spend such an inordinate amount of time on the fundamentals. You know, I, I wanted to come up with something that was there, and it's also the. You know what you were saying a little while ago about how you know a new shooter might say, "Oh well, maybe I don't shoot as good as I thought I did." Well, I tell you what, I'm more than two decades into this, and that still happens to me. You know, as soon as I start to yep. think that I got this all figured out, I go out and shoot, and that bullet lets me know I'm not near the badass that I think I am. And so, and what does it come down to? I'm flubbing on the fundamentals somewhere. But again, going back, kind of heading off a, a tunnel there. Natural point of aim. So and we're uh, we're back after a little small technical difficulty. I guess uh, hardline power works better than batteries. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, the first time we've used this equipment, so yeah, I have no idea. We're just making this up as we go along. We, we should have read the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. No, I threw it away. You threw it. Yeah, that's all right. They, you get to keep your man card. Throw away the directions right away. All right. I think we were just finished up. Uh, you had given us. Uh, your definition, natural point of aim. Give it to us one more time. Yeah, def my definition, of natural point of aim, is weapon pointed to the target, body pointed to the weapon, and that's just simply uh, just a way to say a definition of, of natural point of aim. But it really, natural point of aim will have no meaning at all unless you have a way to test it. And so, there's a couple of ways that you can test your natural point of aim to make sure you're really close on it. And the first one is in whatever position I'm going to get in. Uh, let's just go real simple. I'm prone. So I've, you know, I've gotten straight behind the gun, which we'll talk about that in another podcast as well. Uh, but I'm straight behind it. I make sure I'm not having any angles. I've got a good, you know, hand position on the gun and I'm going to put that reticle right where I want the bullet to go. And once I get that done and I'm settled in with my rear bag, what I'll end up doing at that point is I'll close my eyes and I'll go through a couple of breathing cycles and then I'll open them and I'll see if that reticle is where I left it. So if it is where I left it, okay, then, all right, I'm good to go. I'm ready to go to another test. But if it's not, what I don't want to do is I don't want to muscle the gun into position. I don't want to muscle it back over to the target. What I want to do is I want to move my body and the rifle as one unit, being straight behind it, and then move that, get that reticle back where I want that bullet to go. Um, I was watching a YouTube video a long time ago, and it was uh, it was kind of funny. There was a guy who had a Glock and uh, in his hand, and it was obviously a stock Glock. Nothing had been done with it. He just pulled it out of block out of the box, it's brand new, and um, <clears throat> so he started saying that this was a Ninja Glock. You can still find that video on YouTube. A Ninja Glock. A Ninja Glock. Yeah, and he says that it you know had like I forget all the stuff, but it had um it had a, a hundred round magazine in it. You know, then it would fire. You know, just talking about how good this was, and it was obviously just a stock Glock, but. He got to this one point and it says it's got the, the new night vision laser thermal sight that could see into the future. That and comes with a ninja clock. Yeah. The, the, you got to find a ninja to build this clock for okay. you. You know what I mean? If you can find a ninja to build it for you, you can. But he started talking about the sights and the sights were so good that it would see into the future. 
And I, <laughs> I fell off my chair laughing on this. I'm about to fall out of mine. <laughs> yeah, I fell out of my chair laughing. And then, of course, the next day comes around, and I'm in the morning in the bathroom, and I'm sitting on the toilet, and I'm thinking, isn't that what sites actually do? You know what I mean? They actually do tell you the future. They tell you where the bullet's going to go. All right, we're getting deep now. Yeah, man. I mean, you think about it. I, the only reason I have a reticle is that because I want to tell the bullet where to go. Okay? So that's why I have these lines inside my scope. Because in the future, that's where I want the bullet to be. So it's, it made me laugh. But then it's kind of true, you know, when you think about it. So we're, we're now uh, time traveling at rifles. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, you get my point. If I, if I didn't have an aiming point, well, then I'm going to put the bullet out there and, and who knows where it's going in the future. But if I do have the reticle on there, I can predict where the bullet's going to go in the future. And so it's uh, it was kind of cool, just a different way to think about it. But at any rate, let me get back to it. Uh, I'll, I'll end up digressing a lot. <laughs> uh, that's going to happen a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure it will. But at any rate, let's say that I, I close my eyes and when I open them, the reticle's exactly where I left it. All right, well, now I think that I have a good gross adjustment on natural point of aim. But now I want to refine that even further. And how do I refine it even further? I refine it further with a simple dry fire. And any of you guys who have uh, dry fired your rifles before, you've often seen that reticle kind of bounce. And it'll bounce off maybe an inch or an inch and a half in any direction. And so what happened was that dry fire was enough to convince your brain the shot is coming. And so what happened was it went to where it was naturally aligned. It vibrated into position to where it was naturally aligned. So if it jumps off, I mean, and it keeps jumping off, that can get frustrating. But getting frustrated about it is counterproductive. What you need to see is that you started a dialogue with the rifle. You said, hey, I think I got my natural point of aim right, and I'm going to test it. And the rifle said, you're close, but you're not quite there. And so then wherever that reticle clicks to, I'm going to move my body and the rifle to get the reticle back on my intended impact point, And then I'm going to start the process over again, closing my eyes, going through my breathing cycles, then hopefully to the dry fire. If I get to the dry fire and I can pull that trigger every single time and that reticle doesn't move, that's about as good a test as I'm going to get for natural point of aim. And I just think it's a, a, a really good way to get it going. All right. So uh, I think everybody got the idea, but just for an example, so um, I, I might have a video that I can throw up later on facebook or youtube or anything i've been messing around with a tact cam through the scope camera so i was doing some dry fire the other day and the same thing you know uh, going through the same motions so i'm, I'm right there i was actually on a barricade on uh, one of these uh, we bad fortune cookie type bags uh, i've got my wobbles you know with these heavy rifles heavy bags wobbles it's pretty small mm -hmm. so it's 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 almost nothing mm -hmm. and as i dry fire I, I pull the trigger you, you know the, the firing pin the spring and all that and then my little dot, because I'm using, you know, a, a, one of those uh, uh, zero compromise impact three reticles. And the dot just barely, I mean, maybe 0.1, mm -hmm. just dip down, maybe 0 0.1 mm -hmm. and maybe 0.1 to the left. Mm -hmm. So we're saying that's that's my body relaxing and that's where my natural point aim is going. That's correct. That's, that's where, because the rifle is going to click to its natural point of aim. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whenever I say click, that's another word for dry fire. It's going to click to where it's naturally aligned. So that's uh, uh, just to dispel anything. That's not, it's not our fire pin spring moving anything. That's not just our, uh, the breeze didn't come by, didn't do that. That That's us. That, that's yeah, that's us. Because the, the thing about it is, is the firing pin moving forward and the spring, what that's going to do is it's going to cause vibration in the rifle. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how you are handling that rifle, you need to make sure that it's not, you're not influencing it right, left, up, or down. And that's what's going on with that. Okay. So perfect. So mine, mine dipped uh, maybe half a tenth or a tenth 
uh, left, maybe a tenth, have a tenth low. So I have a, you know, my natural point of aim wants to put that, that rifle wants to be that point one and point one down. Right. Well, I, I mean, for example, like, let's say you're just out there and you're shooting prone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or no, let's not go prone. Let's go off of a barricade. Okay. Right. So I've tested my natural point of aim by closing my eyes and you know, you're going to have some wobble on there. And yeah. the, the main thing to make sure that your natural point of aim is you want equal wobble all the way around your intended aiming point, whether that wobbles 0.1 or a mil, you know what I mean? It could be a mil, you know, it depends you got, on the prop. Yeah. yeah, it depends on what you're doing. But if I've got a mil of air in all of those different directions, I'm naturally aligned right in the middle of all that air. And so let's say I shoot. And it even happened today with one of the students in the class. You know, we started that class yesterday, this class yesterday, and it happened today. He was on the barricade <clears throat> and he had all of his rounds. I mean, we had just finished shooting prone, so we knew his rifle was zeroed. And whenever he's pulling the trigger, he put four rounds, nine o'clock just off the target. Ah, I saw that target. Yeah. And I, I said, hey, man, this is this is a nat this is a perfect example of natural point of aim. You're you're muscling the gun over to the center of the target. Get to where you're not muscling the gun to the center of the target. Loaded five more. He spent some time working on that natural point of aim. Oh, yeah, and, it takes and, time. Yeah, and then the next thing you know, they're all going into the target where he wanted them to go. And so that that if, if I start to see one or two rounds go in the same place, that's a an immediate light bulb goes off. That's where I'm, my natural point of aim is, and I need to work on that a little bit more. Uh, I remember, uh, well, I've been here several times and seen you explain it several times. Uh, and, you know, it, it, on this podcast, I think we're going to try to give as many viewpoints as we possibly can and explain it different ways. What, what helped me... I think a lot of people, at least what I see, it could be vertical, it could be horizontal, but I see uh, it could be really small, but if, uh, especially if you're unsupported, uh, standing, kneeling prone, or you're on, you know, maybe a rope, mm -hmm. uh, you're out here at Air Dingo, mm -hmm. at the, uh, the brawl in a couple months, and, and you're moving. What I usually see is almost a figure eight. Mm -hmm. I see a figure eight, and sometimes it's a, uh, a horizontal figure eight, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's a vertical figure eight. Mm -hmm. And I've found that where that figure eight crosses, mm -hmm. that, that seems to be the center. I believe you might have explained it to me this way one time a couple years ago, and that's the center. And as long as that center of that figure eight or my wobble is in the center of the target that I, I'm intending to hit, mm -hmm. that's where it's going to go. That's where it's going to go. And, and, it, and I've done it, and it sounds, it, it, it almost sounds too simple. And that's what a lot of these fundamentals do. But uh, it really is. I mean, it, it's complicated, but it's it's really not. It's really not. I, I think you had uh, you had shown some of the the things on fundamentals what they can do for you. We'll talk about that in a second. But the the natural point of aim, like like I said, it it, it does seem like it's complicated, but it's not. Just test your natural point of aim. Now, on another note, on testing natural point of aim. You're going to go up and if you've got, you're in a hunting scenario or you're in a competition scenario or you're doing this for a living as a professional, uh, chances are you're not going to have time to test your natural point of aim. You know, you're not going to have time. You're going to have to, you, you can't be doing this stuff on the clock. And there is a, a workaround on that. And it's kind of like whenever you test your natural point of aim in your practice, you know, you get up there, you've done, you, you've done the dry fire and you've got the reticle where it's staying exactly where you want it every time you dry fire that gun. Well, you can reach and get a live round and shoot, but that's probably not your best option. Probably your best option would be to stand up, okay? Move the rifle a little bit, go back, get some water, then come back and build that position again. Build it again, go through all the testing on it and everything else. There's a drill, an old drill that we've done at Rifles Only for a long time. It's called build and break. Mm -hmm. And we start to do that under time to where you're actually, you know, have the rifle at port arms or the rifle's on the ground and you get successively smaller times that you have to get on the rifle and get off a shot. Though That's another good drill for a natural point of aim. But before you do that, 
take your time with it, you know, go slow. And it, it's kind of like, you know, well, it, that, you know, this is something that I'll never learn. Well, you know, I explained it in my, in my video and I explained it in my classes that, you know, whenever you're 15 years old and you got your learner's permit and you're driving through a, a medium sized town at, you know, the first time to do it, you know, you got your, you know, hands at 10 and two and you're, you know, really cycling through those mirrors and knowing where other traffic is and you're a little bit nervous. And then after you've been driving that car for quite a while, I mean, same situation, you're driving with one hand, you're changing the radio station. I mean, it's, and you're staying right in your lane. You know, you're, you're not having any problems. And it's the reason is because you, you become unconsciously competent at it. You know, you're going to be able to do that. That's the way the natural point of aim has to be. It has to be to that point to where every time you get behind the rifle, you're naturally aligned. And the reason is, is because your subconscious knew something was off and it corrected it without bothering you about it. It just corrected it on its own. There's a lot of things. I, another way that I, I tell people to, to do this is if you're a, a right-handed person, um, when it, at night, you know, when, before you go to bed, put on your safety glasses and try to brush your teeth with your left hand. And you're going to need those safety glasses <laughs> because it's going to feel awkward. But then if you do it for a week, you'll get it to where, all right, that's fine. You know, you got it to where you're, you're, you've built neural pathways in your, in the way you position your hand, you know, to brush your teeth and the way you position your body to actually fire a gun. You're building these neural pathways and those neural pathways are your tools that the strong neural pathways and correct neural pathways are the tools that you need to be able to achieve that natural point of aim in a millisecond rather than having to go through all these testing. But you're not going to get there until you do the testing. You have to make sure it's correct every single time. Yeah. And you know, I, I know a lot of people don't have a lot of time or they want shortcuts, but I mean, really, the way you get there, you got to shoot or you got to dry fire. Yeah. I mean, you have to be on that rifle. Yeah. It takes, uh, I forget what they say, how many repetition it takes to, to train a neural pathway or how much, once you've got a bad, you know, a bad habit, how much it takes to, to recreate it. I mean, obviously Google that stuff if you want, but it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot. I do this a lot. I, I, I tell it, people kind of get a chuckle, but I really mean it. I mean, you got to get out, you got to shoot more and you got to suck less. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I hate exactly. to say it that way, but that's just, exactly. Or, you know, dry fire more and suck less. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's all yeah. the same, especially now with the ammo shortage. I would, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. dry fire. We'll get into rim fire too, you know, on a normal uh, non uh, uh, ammo shortage year, you know, that uh, we'll get into that later. But you just got to do more. And, and I think uh, we, we hit on a lot with this natural point aim and, and, and Jacob's laid out. The right way to do it, because again, going back to where I tell people to shoot more and suck less, we we want to do want to do more of what matters. We want to do as much of that as possible, and we want to do as little of what doesn't matter. And we'll get into that in another podcast because there's a lot of stuff out there, especially if you, you get around and, and get on the internet and get on the forums. There's a lot of stuff out there that uh, it just it it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I call it superfluous information, <laughs> and and we see it all the time. And we I've been up here for classes and. And you start getting, you know, guys will start getting off in the weeds and, and thinking about it. You're like, hey, man, just do these little four or five things. Yeah. Um, you know. I think you had an example of that just yesterday. Yeah. Uh, we were here yesterday. And it was a student that actually had been here before. Mm -hmm. I believe it's the second time around a couple years ago. And uh, we had a couple things going on. Uh, I, I took two pictures of two targets. There was actually, I wish I'd uh, gotten down there for the, the first target. So we had a few things going on. Uh, he was had him in vertical stringing. And, uh, you know, a lot of times that's a main culprit of that. A lot of times it's breathing. Yeah. But we, we looked at him. His breathing was really good. He was breaking at the bottom of the cycle. And, and But uh, what we've been seeing a lot is uh, everywhere in a lot of competitions, people aren't using the, the proper rear bag. Right. Using fortune cookies and all that, which is fine in a, a competition setting or a quick setting. But it's, it's, not a, it's not a proper rear bag. And then another thing that we're seeing is the way they address the rifle. The shooter is uh, setting the rifle down and then moving to the gun instead of bringing the gun into them and engaging the rifle. 
and that sort of way. So we uh, and the other thing is is we're still in this uh, you know circa 1990, circa 1980. Uh, Get, get as low to the ground as possible, get the bipod as, as low, and we'll talk about that on another podcast. So we raised this bipod, and, and, I, and he actually said, and, you know, we didn't remember uh, hearing that. Uh, and we see that with a lot of shooters. They, they, don't, uh, they don't realize. They're thinking, I want to get as low as I possibly can to the ground, because uh, they've heard, and it, and it is true, the lower you are to the ground, the more stable you are. Uh, but, you know, we, we raised this bipod, and he was able to get uh, more engagement with the rifle, and, and his... Uh, with that more engagement in the proper positioning, his buttstock wasn't dipping down. Basically, uh, he's fallen into his natural point aim that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as he goes pull that trigger, the uh, his hands relax and the bag slips and the butt of the and we're talking, you know, fractions of an inch. It doesn't take much. And now we see him vertical string. So we we got that fixed on up. We got his bipod up. He he was more stable. And and then that's where the first picture that I posted it was on Facebook yesterday. I think Frank might have shared it. A few other people. Uh, he had almost no vertical mm-hmm. whatsoever, but it was horizontal. It's a good MOA, one and a quarter MOA or something of yeah. uh, horizontal stringing. So we had fixed one aspect, and that's at least what I like to do. And I've seen you do it. We fixed one thing at a time. Yeah. So we fixed his vertical. We got his bipod up, and now we got to work on that, that horizontal. And that's almost always going to be your trigger control, mm-hmm. or at least your trigger placement on your on trigger your, control and natural point bang. Exactly. And so we, you know, we worked on him with that. We got that 90 degree. We'll talk about that because I'm a huge, huge uh, supporter of having a, a, as perfect of a 90 degree trigger as possible. So we got him, uh, got that. I didn't even look at the target that he was shooting. I watched him and, you know, made sure he was doing it and reminded him if he, if something was off and he made uh, five, for what looked for me, perfect shots. And we went down there and his now, it was about a, a minute and a quarter or a minute, 1.1 MOA or so. Uh, shrank to under 0.25 MOA. Yeah. I mean, it was just one ragged hole. Yeah. The guy was tickled to death. He's, you know, he's yeah. jumping, you know, he, he's doing cartwheels out here yep. and he's ready to go home because you know, <laughs> don't want to mess that up. And uh, so I posted on the, you know, uh, Facebook and some people were joking about it and this, that, and the other. Uh, it looks like a barrel tuner or some other, you know, stuff that's going around online. But a lot of people, it seemed like they didn't want to believe that it was, it's, it's that easy. Yeah. And, and it really was. I mean, it took us, it sounds like a lot. I just spent, you know, five minutes talking about it, but it probably took five minutes or less to, to fix it. To fix it. Yeah. And, and that's all it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an extra point of aim there and we solved it. And a p- part of that is you will get into another day. You know, rifle setup is going to, if your rifle's not set properly, you're going to be fighting that natural point of aim. Sure. That's right. But, you know, just going through there and it's like go from, you know, shrinking that thing down so much in such a short period of time and it can that all comes from the fundamentals of marksmanship in that case sugar control and and uh things like that and getting that bipod up you know don't be afraid of it uh, everybody's built a little bit different and as you get older um may not be as flexible as you used to be uh i'm just calling myself out on that and so uh yeah get be, get it to where that rifle fits you and that's that's pretty simple and again we have on our notes for follow-on podcasts about rifle setup and we'll talk about that a little bit more but Probably want to get into the news section now. Yeah, if we don't, we'll, we'll end up you know, all right. I think, talking all night. Yeah, I don't know how long these are going to be. I know a lot of people try to keep it to an hour. Maybe we do 30 minutes, maybe do an hour. We'll figure it out as it goes. But if, if we don't uh, if we don't cut ourselves off here, we'll be here yeah. you know, all night. Um, yeah, and I'm and, hungry. It's dinner time. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, so we're getting into news. So what we're going to try to do every week is just bring you up any type of news that's going on in the shooting industry. It could be a new product. It could be, you know, hey, a barrel tuners, you know, they're, they're, they're blowing up. We'll talk about yep. that one day and, uh, you know, pros and cons and, you know, things about that. And, uh, what we have, uh, going on, we, uh, I've, I've recently, like I said, partnered with, uh, 
with Jacob over here in rifles only. And uh, being a, a, a team voodoo uh, shooter, we we've partnered with uh, Voodoo Gunworks and Mike Bush, Paul Parrott, and those guys over there. And we've come up with, uh, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's something you, you haven't seen yet. We're going to call it the uh, Rifles Only Rimfire Academy. And, and we're really going to focus on, you know, obviously centerfire is a big deal here. But we're gonna we're gonna start looking into that that rimfire because rimfire is just I mean you tell me if I'm wrong it's just really exploded. Oh yeah, uh, the explosion of the popularity on this has been crazy. You know the the thing about it was is um you know Tyler Frainer from NRL mm -hmm. started to do the the NRL 22 thing you know and um he started it and I I called him on the phone I said man in five years this is going to be the biggest thing going. Mm -hmm. Boy was I wrong. <laughs> it only took about 18 months and, oh, yeah, it, and blew it, it blew up and uh, you know you can see why you know the the um what you can do with it you know you can you can shoot more it's it's less expensive you know you don't need these long ranges to do that um there's just so many the advantages of being able to shoot rimfire just they're countless and um the other good part of it is you know if you're a centerfire guy which i am and i have been for the longest time you know i i picked up my 22 and i i figured out you know that 22 it's kind of humbling whenever it comes to the fundamentals of marksmanship i mean you you need to drive those 22s right because you don't have a whole lot of advantage in like heavier bullets or a whole lot of velocity that can take up for some of your errors. And especially it's not going to buck the wind. You know, like it's, it's, I mean, you, you, you guys get a little puff of wind and man, it, it makes, it makes a big difference, you know, the further you get out. And so the guys that are center fire, you know, I know there's been a lot of center fire guys that have gone straight into rim fire and like gone crazy. Uh, Tony Jamelli, you know, he's, mm -hmm. he's a former Marine Corps sniper and, you know, I, I met him back in the '90s at you know in the matches and stuff like that. You know, center fire all the way. Boy, he picked up the rim fire and he just lost his mind. And I tell you what, I in a good way. I, mean, you what? I think that's all he's doing. Yeah, mostly I know. What he's doing. And, and I spoke to him the other night, and he like I say, lost his mind. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean in a good way. I mean he is he is really you know been pushing this, and I know he's getting a lot more people into it, and he's a good shooter himself. But he's always been a good shooter. Um, but at any rate. If it if you start out as a centerfire guy and then you start to shoot a little bit of rimfire, I know you're going to learn a hell of a lot about your shooting. But if you're a rimfire guy and you want to segue into centerfire, I uh, tell you what, if you're if you're crushing it on rimfire, you've got a big advantage when you go to centerfire because centerfire has heavier bullets going faster and they're more forgiving. And so that that's kind of one of those things about the 22 that I'm thinking. And and there's a bunch of other things I'm thinking about. I just want to kind of shorten it up for time here. But we want to do academy on this. You know, we want we've already got some uh, courses listed out there on the rifles only website at, at riflesonly.com. Uh, we're doing them uh, here, and I have another one scheduled in Colorado. We're we're doing some train ups too. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's obviously already stuff on the website for here, but we're going to kind of unveil or do our grand opening, you know, whatever fancy word we can come up with by before now in May. Uh, we have the NRL 22 uh, Rimfire Championships. They come up in May. Uh, I have to look at the. The exact dates. I probably should have wrote that down. That wasn't yep. real smart. But uh, it's in May. It's going to be in uh, Nebraska, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we've talked to them. We're still finalizing the stuff. But for the most part, we're going to be up there either two, maybe three days ahead of time. And we're still looking in to see what would be best for the shooters. But it's it's going to be some sort of competition train-up. We, uh, we don't see a lot of that anymore. Uh, I believe you have a train up. Yeah, we've had a train up since the beginning. We always do a little three day train up before our competitions, and it, it's uh you know we don't we don't do the same events that they're going to do in the in the competition, but it kind of you know gets you up there on the facility, kind of work those uh, pre 
pre-competition jitters off and, you know, just, you know, make sure your gear's all set and stuff like that. And then get some good instruction on, on the fundamentals and, and, uh, various things like that, alternate positions, movers, if we have them. So, uh, yeah, that's what that's about. But yeah, we're, we're going to try to get up there. We're going to try to do two or three days. We, we, we haven't made up our mind. It, it might be a couple day clinic, depending on the popularity. It might be, we might set up, you know, some half day clinics where, you know, if you want to come in and work on barricades and, and then come back uh, the next part of the day and work on the mover, or pick and choose, you know, maybe you can't, you can make it in the morning today, but, and then tomorrow you make it in the evening. We haven't really figured it out. We're going to be really, we've talked about it as being very flexible with this type of stuff. Cause it's, yeah. it's something new. We just don't, you see a little bit of rimfire training, uh, but you just don't see a lot. So we're, we're kind of getting in a little bit of uncharted territory, but I think it's, I think the demand is there. I've had a lot of people ask me about it. Uh, a lot of people wanting us. So, it, you know, the NRL 22 championships, uh, we're going to be there. Uh, it's almost final. I mean, it's finalized enough that I can talk about it. We're looking at the uh, a big Brian Autry does one in Minnesota later in the year. He calls it the king of uh, point, point two, two miles. miles. Yeah, yes, I yes. thought so, that was cool. Yeah, that's king cool. of point two miles. And it's really popular. I think it's 80, 100 shooters. Uh, he actually he just posted it on online on uh, on Facebook. So I can talk about it. He's going to have Brian Litz with um, Applied Ballistics. Mm-hmm. They're going to be out there with their. Uh, their radars or, mm-hmm. you know, their Doppler and doing their thing. Uh, we're, we're, we haven't finalized it, but we're, we're going to be there in some sort. So you can come out there. You can, you can come see, uh, Jacob and myself at the Rimfire Academy and get all trained up. You can go over there and see Brian and get your, uh, you know, your BC down, you know, over his, his Doppler and you can go in there and, you know, win the, the king of point two. Miles. That's right. Because all you need to do is a little training and know your BC and you're going to win. That's, that's, I mean, you know, <laughs> That's, that's that's what I've been told. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how, how do I do better at matches? I hit more targets. That's how you do better at matches. And, and you know, you, you shoot more and, and you suck less. And you suck less. less. Exactly right. So we're going to be there. Those are the two uh, bigger ones that we have. And, and we're still in talks with a lot of other people. We've seen a lot of interest in this. And uh, especially, you know, from uh, Voodoo uh, and Mike Bush, those guys have been, you know, crazy supportive. We're going to uh, be talking about those guys more. We're going to we're gonna have some, you know, if you come here and you want to uh, bring your – if you already have a voodoo and you want to bring it, uh, bring it on. If you have a, a savage, uh, forget the name of their 22, bring it. Uh, that's one of the great things about uh, Rimfire is we're limited. We are limited by the, you were just talking about the bullet. I mean, it's a 40, uh, 40 grain piece of lead going, you know, 1,050 feet per second. Yep. You can't do but so much, you know, how, you know, uh, you can buy a voodoo all day long, but you're still throwing a 40 grain, you know, yep. piece of lead down there. So you can get into this game and, you don't have to be blown away by the cost, and but it, and if you want to get in and, and go, you know, head over heels for it, you can. So you I've can seen go. some people out here at Rifles Only since we started doing more of this. They're shooting a Ruger ten twenty two, and they're just crushing it with oh, a ten twenty two. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, Larry, local Larry, he was beating us to death with a CZ for years. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And and, then, and we so you could do that, and and it, and and you can also we're going to have an assortment of rifles here. Uh, obviously, some voodoo's here if you want to come here and, and shoot a voodoo at a. You know, a train up or a training. I mean, you know, it's going to be here. Let us know. We have a limited number. Yes. <laughs> Let yeah, us know. We'll, Let we'll us know ahead of time that. so we can do that. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be really good. So look for those rimfire courses. We're calling it RF one, and you can find those at the at the website on rifles only. And again, it, this is we're not you know completely just you know on the on the rimfire here. Uh, we also got the centerfire as well. I'd invite y'all to look at the uh, at the rifles only website for some of our regular classes. Our flagship course is the PR one and two. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's one that we, we cover the, the best, I guess, here at Rifles Only. We also have a PR1, which is, we've got a two day format on that one as well as a three day format. We do clinics on movers and alternate positions here. Up at Colorado, we do high angle, 
Uh, also, on the on the other side of that, uh, we also do some field craft matches, which gets into the other side of of precision rifle and the the hunting side of it, which it's kind of it's very much into the hunting side of it. It's also into the the military side of it, or you know, if you want to go out and and learn some of the non shooting skills, uh, such as land navigation, you know, target detection, range estimation without a rangefinder, you know, learning what all those little What's marks that? and dots, yeah, what those <laughs> marks and dots inside that scope actually mean. And the field craft is really good, especially on the land nav. You know, if you you can you can get pretty good at route selection to where you can make it through the mountains without killing yourself. You know, exerting yourself too much by you know good route selection. We talk about that, and then a couple other matches that are up. You can find out um, on rifles only. Again, uh, February nineteenth uh, and twentieth. That's coming up. That's going to be the brawl down here. That's our big two day match. You can look at that. There's also a train it before that. We're also doing um, the Battle of the Coyote. We'll be doing that up in Colorado. More of a field craft match, um, and so we'll try to squeeze in a field craft course before that, so you can come up and do that. You'd, if you're going to do that, call me personally um, and talk to me about that. And then also Assassin's Way in 2022, which is like the mother of all field craft matches. So what's uh, what's your number they can reach you at? My number uh, is three six one. 522-4165 or you can email me at jacob jacob at riflesonly.com either way but i'd invite you to look at those things uh see what we're doing down here at rifles only what we have planned in the future and take a class do a competition main thing is shoot more and suck less i mean that, that's really i mean the fundamentals and, and just getting out there and shooting uh the other thing i think uh, i think everybody probably knows but your website is riflesonly.com yes yeah so you get there uh uh, the other thing we're doing besides the Rifles Only Rimfire Academy is uh, we started uh, here just locally. Uh, I approached Mike Bush uh, after um, I became a team voodoo shooter. I approached him. I said, hey, we've got a bunch of 22 stuff out here that was getting really popular. And now and we're looking for a way to, to make it bigger. And I, I came up with the idea and I asked him, hey, would you mind if we call it the, the, the South Texas Voodoo Rimfire Series, and he was absolutely, I mean, Mike, those guys over there, they're like us. Uh, if we haven't said it first, we're here for the shooters first. Any decision that's made, that's made over here or anything, it's always going to be for the shooters first, and, and we're secondary to that. And, and, and Voodoo shares that that philosophy. They're all about the shooters. So Mike Bush was fully on board, and we've just seen, uh, we've only had our, we just had our first match uh, last month. We're going to go into our second match, but we've just, the, the, the buzz and the, the talk that we've gotten about it, it's just been, it's been huge. And we've been contacted by, I don't even know how many ranges have, have asked about it. And not yeah. just here, like uh, in, in around the country. Yeah. I mean, I, I've lost count. We've got it written down somewhere. Yeah. I got it written down over there at my, at my house. But yeah, it's uh, from everywhere from northern Idaho to Florida. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, I think we're looking at taking this thing, you know, national here shortly. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, we're also going to, you know, be able to partner with some of the other clubs like Mars over there, Mid Atlantic Shooters. Mm-hmm. We'll be able to, you know, work with some of those guys as well so that we can, you know, bring more rimfire into this and, and get people shooting. And hopefully, well, my hope is they segue into centerfire and, and come and start doing some of this well, stuff as well. And, and that's something we've been talking about. We're, uh, you know, the other, the other leagues out there, they've, they've got their pass and they've done pretty well at it and uh we're get, we're looking at a different path nobody's really started with rimfire yeah they've kind of, they've started with uh center fire and like hey let's let's add some rimfire in there so we're going to try a little bit different we're going to try and really uh you know because it, it's so much uh it's so much uh, i mean the, the uh, it's so much well pre uh pre ammo shortage so much cheaper <laughs> yeah but and it's still cheaper it's still a lot cheaper and, and again every it's like everything else everything will settle back down eventually like it always does and it, you could just, uh, I mean, if I go by, a, and I'm not trying to walk in, I love Centerfire. 
and I'm going to keep shooting it. But uh, when you buy a centerfire rifle, and you, especially buying these sixes, six fives, I mean, every every twenty five hundred, three thousand rounds, another seven hundred dollars for your barrel. You yeah, know? and that, and that's fine. They're they're tires. Uh, but if if you're not into that, you can't afford it. You don't want to afford it for whatever. Or just reason. don't want the hassle. You just don't want it. You know, uh, you go buy a, a twenty two, and I haven't met anybody that's. Burned out a barrel yet? Burned out a barrel yet. (laughs) I mean, I've got at least 20,000 on mine, and it's still... We were actually out there today, uh, was that a two, two and a half MOA target you have down there? Yeah. And it was 400 and... 420 yards. 420 yards. And with two mils of wind, I think we were at 20... 24 mils of elevation, and we were hitting a, a two, two and a half mil target. At Not only hours. you, you put some of the you put some of the students in the class on it too, and they were hitting it. Oh yeah, no, it, it's 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 fun for everybody, and the thing it, it's it's quiet. You know, you, yep. you know, not everybody has a suppressor. I wish they did, but you don't really need them in, in 22. It's 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 cheaper. It's fun. Uh, you can bring your, you know, you don't have to worry about if you want to bring your your 10 year old out there. It's not going to knock them back 20 feet. Yep. You know, they can just shoot it and have fun like everybody else. I mean, well, what, just, what I've noticed is we've been doing this out here, you know, the center fire guys and stuff like, Hey, pick up my 22 or, or your 22 or somebody else who's got a 22 out here is just the reaction and it's automatic across the board smiles. I mean, it's just like, this is a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think I pull that voodoo out, uh, all the time. Cause I mean, that's the other thing. If you come to a match and maybe you don't have a rifle, uh, you're not burning up my barrel. So, you know, at a center fire match, people go, Oh, whoa, you know, that's my barrel. And I'm here. I'll let, you know, six, seven different people shoot <laughs> yeah. all day, you know, yeah, all day. come out and shoot. And <laughs> yeah, you know, fun. it's just, it's just fun. And, and every time I pulled that voodoo out, I'll let three or four people, I think I sell a voodoo for, or voodoo sells a voodoo. You know, every time we, we let somebody shoot it, I mean, they're like, Hey, where can I get one now? And they want it now. Yeah. By the way, guys, they're uh, voodoo's are like, uh, they're starting to get back 12, 14 weeks. If you uh, I talked to Mike the other day, he said it was at 16 weeks. Yeah. 16 weeks. So, I mean, if you want one, uh, I'd call them like, you know, uh, especially with the ammo shortage, I would start calling them now and, and buy ammo. Yeah. Buy lots of ammo. Yeah. Cool deal, man. I'm ready to wrap it up. Yeah. I think that's about it. Uh, the only other thing I think we already talked about, go check out, uh, Frank. Over there at Sniper's Hide, I think he just did a release today on the, uh, what, Accuracy International ATX. ATX, yeah, their competition model. Yeah, go go check it out. I think he did a, a live feed with him. I'm sure there's uh, videos up. I'm sure everybody's uh, loving yeah, I, it. And then I talked it. to him today, and he said that he was going to go shoot that tomorrow. So he's going to be talking about that. I think it was snowing up there today. And so he was actually going to go shoot it tomorrow. So he'll, he'll have some more information on the hide about that after he takes it out and shoots it. Awesome. Yeah, go check them out. We talked about, uh, he does the Everyday Sniper podcast. We talked about the Modern Day Sniper podcast. Go check yep. out Voodoo, VoodooGunWorks.com. Uh, uh, they're also on the hide, uh, you know, on Sniper's hide there. Uh, Mike Bush is there. He'll answer any, any questions you have. I mean, just a great company. Uh, if you need to reach out, I think Jacob said his email was, uh, Jacob at riflesonly.com. Uh, you can find me, um, on Sniper's hide, D Thomas 3523. Feel free to shoot me a message there or, you know, tell me about something you didn't like on the hide or something, you know, <laughs> or something you want to see on the podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, we've got, I mean, we're going to be doing this quite a bit. Uh, let us know if you want to hear guests. Uh, I think Jacob knows a few people in the industry. A couple. So we can pretty much get, you know, you want something here and we can probably get it for you. Yep, very and good. And I guess that'll be it. That's our first episode of the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. Perfect. We'll see you guys soon.